0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the corporate bartender. Holy cow. Today's episode is one of my favorites of 2023 so far. We're talking remote work, corporate culture, GitHub, Netflix, and breaking down boundaries. We've got Barbie Brewer on the program today, and the conversation is just epic. If you don't know Barbie, we got you, boo. Barbie's the author of the best selling book, Lead and Let Live. She's been a fixture in the Silicon Valley scene since the dot-com era. She's been chief culture officer at GitLab, VP of talent at Netflix, and she's got a lot to say about remote work and how to leverage it. This conversation was fantastic, and I think you're going to dig it. So buckle up, TC beers, grab your favorite cocktail, and let's get right on into it with Barbie Brewer on today's TCB.
1: Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender, where we gather some of the best HR and people leaders to discuss what's happening on the people side of business. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender.
0: Welcome, everybody. It is your favorite day and mine. It's Wednesday. It's Corporate Bartender Day. Today is the 5th of July, and it is the 172nd time we have convened this group of awesome people. Today's going to be a fun day. We've got a guest with us today. You can see Barbie here, Barbie Brewer. She's our guest. She's the one face in the Brady Bunch screen that you don't know. We're going to chat with her about her book, Lead and Let Live. We'll get into her thoughts on remote work And uh, maybe see if we can get her to tell us a a Netflix story or two. Um, Then at the end, we'll do our funny things, our good feels, our cocktail stuff, and get on with our lives. As you know, if you've been a listener from any point in time since last year, every week I ask, because I'm a pain in the ass. If you have not bought your copy of You, Me, We, Why We All Need a Friend at Work and How to Show Up as One, please do so. Audiobook is available now. Um, if you do have a copy and you have not written a review, please consider doing that for us because rumor has it that some weird Amazon magic happens when we get to 100 (laughs) 100 reviews and we are creeping ever slowly toward that mark. And, uh, I'm just curious to see what happens when we get there. Apparently algorithm magic happens and, uh, things change.
2: I don't know. I think it's like those Facebook posts. You know, those Facebook posts, like if you post this, you know, a unicorn will run across your screen or something. I think that's (laughs) what's going (laughs) to happen. So you mean nothing
0: happens. Yeah. (laughs) We've got some guests upcoming. On July 18th, uh, consultant Andrew Bartlow will be here. He's the co-author of a book called Scaling for Success, People Priorities for High Growth Organizations. He's about changing HR. That's going to be a good one. We have the twice rescheduled Alan Huntkins, our good buddy and author of Cracking the Leadership Code. He'll be here on July 19th. But with that, let's get on into our conversation and let's give a good warm TCB welcome to Barbie Brewer, everybody. We dance everybody on, Barbie. That's kind of how we do it here. Mark (laughs) even came
3: back on camera to dance. It's pretty good.
0: Welcome, Barbie. Thanks for being with us today.
4: Thank you for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, so when we start with guests, because many of us didn't choose the career path that we were on when we were eight years old, and someone asked us what we wanted to be. I mean, I guess it's saving, you know, uh, first responders and astronauts and doctors, maybe. Um, But I don't imagine that you thought yourself, this leadership expert, this person who would write a best selling book about working and leading, how did you get here? Tell us a little bit about your journey.
4: You know, that's a that's a great question. And you used a perfect age for me to begin the story. So when I was in second grade and eight years old, my parents got in, got called into the school for this to meet with the school psychologist to talk about me because of what I how I answered that question. So Uh-oh. when they asked me what I wanted to be <laughs> when I grew up, I said I wanted to be a forensic pathologist <laughs> and a model. I wanted to be a modeling forensic pathologist. <laughs> I don't know why this is what I wanted to be. I mean,
0: those things go together. It's like peanut butter and jelly, really. Yeah, those well, you know,
4: my mom named me Barbie. That's not even short for Barbara. She actually named me that. So she gave me a complex. I'm not, I love you, mom. Um, but but um, so when I said forensic pathologist, it worried the school administrators because this, this was pre-CSI and this was pre-bones. And like, why does this young girl want to op- dissect dead people? Right. Mm -hmm. And so that, that worried them. Um, and so they got to do a, um, a, a nice little child study on me. And, uh, it turned out that it was really an artifact of my father being a CFO for a hospital. And so, um, I, uh, I had heard a lot about him, about complaining about malpractice insurance and, you know, all kinds of things that were annoying him as a hospital administrator, but I also wanted to be a doctor. So I thought, well, you know, if I open dead people, they can't sue me. I don't have to worry about killing my patients. I don't,
0: <laughs>
4: I don't have to worry about insurance. <laughs>
0: That, <laughs> is, I that can, is pragmatic thinking for an alien. Oh my god.
4: Yeah, but I can still operate. And so I, I should mention I I was I was sent to one of those annoying nerd schools where you did do a lot of dissection too. So by the time I was eight, I already dissected a heart, a brain, an eye. Um so wow. I had I had been exposed to that. So it didn't seem that crazy to me. So I, I, I got I didn't get committed. They they <laughs> they let me they let me stay in school. But uh, yeah, so no, I didn't say I wanted to go into HR. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I, I we've we've done a bunch of these, and I've yet to meet someone who said, "At eight years old, I'm going to head HR mm-hmm. for an organization. That is my dream job." Um, yeah. So I can't wait for the day that that happens. We'll have some sort of party. Well, so,
4: uh, we'll have to have your my nephew on your show. My nephew has followed in my footsteps, and he might have said that when he was eight years old. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so so yeah,
0: did you become a pathologist? Did you go to medical school? I no. failed
4: in my life schools, yeah, um, <laughs> I uh, I ended up, you know, going through school, following the path, I went into marketing first, and then from okay. marketing, I went into recruiting, and then from recruiting, I went into HR, so that's really how I got to where I am, I, I can't say I ever had a goal to become the head of HR, uh, there's pros and cons to that position, <laughs> And the position yeah, that I Lur, now, Lori is one of those right now. So <laughs> yeah, Lori, will... we can talk one on one sometime. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I love my job, but you know, it's and it and it gets challenging. I think more challenging as time goes on, uh, and uh, and so I love the role, but I I would kind of say I fell into it and grew up with it, and and didn't really question the path I was taking, and just kind of held on for the ride.
0: Awesome. You worked at some cool places along, along your path. Um, tell us a little bit about where you are now and some of the marquee stops along your way.
4: So I'm at Safe Security now, which is a cyber risk quantification and management company. So we're kind of trying to help the digital space be safer and for you to understand your risks. Uh, May the odds we- be ever
0: in your favor, Barbie.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We've got a lot of employees in India. We've got employees in the U.S., Australia, the U.K. Uh, So we're still, I would call us hybrid. Uh, The folks that we have in India go into the office about three times a week. Here in the U.S., we try to get together occasionally, but not on a daily basis or anything like that. Uh, prior to this you know I've been with some different companies that some of you've heard of and probably some of you haven't so I <laughs> uh, GitLab was my first remote company so I was doing remote before remote was cool um when really no one else was doing it but GitLab was a company that had about when I joined 250 employees in about 40 countries wow. and by the time I left we were closer to a thousand employees in 60 countries mm-hmm. and no office building whatsoever no we workspace, nothing um wow. it was- with an all-remote company. Prior to GitLab, I had spent six years at Netflix. So that's probably one you've heard of and, uh, and loved Netflix. And I was telling Eric earlier that I've never worked with such high talent density and such a great group of people. I think it's the easiest HR job I've ever had because every leader knew it was their job to be a good manager. And that means wow. managing performance and that means hiring the right people. And that means giving feedback so that wasn't HR's job. That was every manager's job, right? And and they were good at it. They didn't get promoted because they were a good programmer. They got promoted because they knew how to recruit. They knew how to give feedback. They knew how to set expectations. Uh, so... That was great. Prior to Netflix, you know, there was IBM, there was Cisco, there were some other names that people might be familiar with. What's fun about working at Safe Security is I get to work with John Chambers again. And I love John too. I always say the two best leaders I've worked with are probably Reed and John. Wow. And uh, and so I get to be connected with John Chambers again through Safe. Yeah.
0: That's, a, that's, that's not not a bad set of company to keep.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Sock is the CEO of Safe, and he says that that's a good bar he's going to try to reach, and he's he's definitely going for it. (laughs) So
3: John Chambers, Cisco, is that? Yeah. 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 He was
4: the CEO of Cisco, but he now has a venture fund. Mm -hmm. Um. So we're part of Safe is part of his investments. Yeah.
3: Cool.
0: That's awesome. So you've got this expertise. You've been an HR leader in in various capacities. Um. Not many HR leaders go. Hey, you know what? I'm actually going to write that book. Mm-hmm. So, what compelled you to actually follow through on and create "Lead and Let Live"?
4: You know, um, my agent. Um, but really, <laughs> but, really um, <laughs> but really, I I I went through a health crisis, and it was when I left Netflix and joined Netflix, and joined GitLab. So I had I I was diagnosed with a very rare sarcoma um, that one in a million are diagnosed with. And so it was hard to find anyone who knew how to treat it well. Went on chemo for a year when I was being treated at Stanford. That wiped me out, but I didn't want to stop working. But I couldn't keep doing the long commute. Netflix, as wonderful as it was, I was always in a foreign country, so I wasn't at home much. And so it was a wake up call for me that I have to make a choice of what's important in life. Is, is am I important? Is my health important, or my kids important? The time with the time with them, which at that point I thought was limited. So um at that point I started writing letters to my kids for every phase of their life that I wouldn't be there for. So um the sarcoma was wow. resting on my, the left lobe of my lung and it was an aggressive one. Um and so I I wrote these letters not I guess like a mom, but more like an HR person, which so you can all sympathize with my kids now. <laughs> um, <laughs> My husband, um, but it was really more about these are the phases in your life that you're going to go through, and much less than ages, right? So, mm-hmm. and then what skills, what, what I wish for you as you go through these things, what I hope you learn from them, and kind of trying to teach that resiliency and things. And so, it it almost became a leadership book if you just started reading all these letters. So, as you mm-hmm. read the book, it won't feel like letters to my kids at all. But that's what got me realizing I can write. Hmm. So um, I'm a reader. I love to read, you know, a couple books a month, um, love to ingest, but I had never transmitted the written word, really, and never felt I was good at it. Uh, it'd be easier today because I could use like Bard or ChatGPT, but <laughs> when I wrote it, I didn't have those options. <laughs> so, um, so, but it, it it gave me the courage that I could. And so I I went ahead and went through with it. And you'll see, it's not a big, it's not a big book. It's not a heavy read. It's a light read. It's a quick read. Um, and it really combines life and leadership because that's what work is. It's not work-life balance. It's finding a job that fits within your life, not fitting your, I don't think it's good to fit your life within your job. You need to find a job that you can fit within your life. And, uh, and so that's really what I've, what I've tried to accomplish with the book is to really inspire people, inspire leaders, either current or future to lead differently. And to really think about things differently as they're growing their leadership skills. And even if you're already a CEO of a company, really think how could I be better? And mm-hmm. and and how can I think about this differently?
3: That's great. I love that. We we're big fans of the work life blend, not balance. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it just doesn't compute really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. how does it all fit together? Yeah. Yeah,
4: there's only one of me. It shows up to work, it shows up at home. Like right. yes. there's only yeah. one. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: so you know when you think about that the idea you know we talk about corporate culture all the time it's a word that gets bandied about quite frequently um what does healthy company culture mean what does that look like for you barbie what has to be in it for it to be healthy
4: well, for me personally and again keep in mind this comes from a very biased perspective of a SAS. HR person, not manufacturing, not medical, not. So, so keep, keep that in mind. Uh, to me, it has to be a culture that does have transparency that recognizes that your leaders don't always have all the right answers. But if you don't empower people to have the information, you don't empower them to have the solution. Uh, and you're asking them to, to come up with ideas without within incomplete information. So knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And do you want your whole company to be powerful or do you want only a few people to be powerful? Mm-hmm. And so I, that that transparency is important to me. And you can do it uh, if you have a high bar for talent and good talent density. And you kind of make everyone an insider for insider trading. So that that's that's one of the that's one of the things too, you know, for Netflix, for example. Every single employee was an insider. So we all had the blackout period. We all had, so yeah. all, that is also important if you want to have full transparency mm-hmm. uh, to, to do that as well. But um, that, that is important to me. The other thing that's important to me is really the, the radical candor and the candid feedback. And, and, and you could say this is part of transparency, but don't say things about people that you wouldn't say to them. And it and, and that doesn't mean you've already said it to them. You might need to come talk to me about how, how to have a difficult conversation. That's good. Let's talk it out. But then have the conversation. So don't don't say it if you wouldn't say it to them. And and think about how to be constructive and kind when you're giving people critical feedback. Right. Uh, but withholding it, I think, is is a, a crime. Really, I mean, you're you're letting someone continue to fail without giving them the the tools they might need to succeed. So I think that's that's very important to me from a corporate culture perspective. So
0: you're you're, you're sparking a, a thought here. Uh, we do a lot of work in technology companies, and technology companies writ large not the best feedback cultures, Mm-mm. right? Um, because the comment you made earlier is a phenomenon in many a tech company. I'm a really good developer, then I get to be a manager as a reward for being a really good developer. And I don't like having difficult conversations. So I tend to put them off. How how do you inspire those for whom this doesn't come naturally to step mm-hmm. into that space and get comfortable with that? Because I agree with you, it is an underpinning of, of a healthy organizational culture. And I've worked in startups, you know, 100, 200 person organizations where The momentum was just around conflict avoidance, and Mm -hmm. it was like turning an oil tanker to get that to be different. Mm
4: -hmm. It is. So I have a lot of, there's no one thing to to turn this around, and you can't do it just one-on-one. You have to do it for the whole organization. So everyone needs to prepare that we're going to do things differently. Uh, And so I have a training I do. That you know, there's lots of trainings out there and frameworks out there, but I have a training I do specifically around. Let's get all on the on the same page. That we're going to stop talking about people. We're going to talk to them. So it's on how to give it. It's on how to receive it. But it's also imparting kind of like it's your responsibility to, and it's also your heads up of expect you to get more from people. So don't be thrown off now that you're getting more feedback that you're suddenly doing things worse. It just mm-hmm. means that we're making the investment now. I don't typically refer to feedback as a gift. I know that's the common nomenclature for referring to feedback as a gift. Gifts are typically bought for occasions. Mm-hmm. We, we, don't rare, we rarely go to the store and say, I want to make Lori happy today. I'm going to buy her a car, right? Um, it's usually, it's Lori's birthday. What am I going to get her? Mm-hmm. And usually as we're walking through shops in the middle of the year, when's your birthday, Lori? October. October. So I might be walking to it through a shop in July and think, oh, Lori might really like that. Oh, but her birthday's is not until October. So I wait. And then October comes and I can't remember what that thing I saw that Lori <laughs> liked was. Yeah. Right. We all, don't we all do that around Christmas time or you know, the, the holidays that we buy for? So that's not how feedback should be. Feedback is an investment mm-hmm. in someone else. And when you want to invest in something, you put your money in when it's, when you, when you think it can go up. Right, when you you you, you, you decide yeah. to invest in that something because you think that investment will help make it go up and there'll be a bigger return, right? Now, it's not to say that you're gonna get a great return if my performance goes up. I might not, my performance might not affect your quality of life, but it really is you deciding, okay, here's where someone needs an insertion, needs an investment, and I need to help make that investment in them. So when you're, so what I tell people is when you're not getting feedback, be afraid that no one wants to invest in you anymore. Hmm and go and solicit like that. that feedback. And like- and yeah. Don't don't consider it like I'm perfect. No one's giving me any critical feedback. Mm-hmm. Really consider it as like, uh-oh. I'm not getting any. Does that mean that people don't think I have any more up more potent, up, up up level potential, right? Yeah. And even a CEO needs that. And so what, what I also talk about a lot and I talk about in the book is that Those behaviors and those skills that got us to leadership are not the same ones that make us good leaders. And guess what? Our blast radius is much bigger now if we're not good. So it's the worst time to stop investing in me now now that I've gotten to leadership, right? You You need to still give me feedback and try not to be afraid of that. So the next thing, you do the training, you talk about it, you try to help people understand how important it is, and then you model it. So, your leaders have to be. I have to be okay going in front of a company all hand and saying, I got feedback today after my last presentation that I talked too fast and it's hard to understand me. I'm going to try to get better at that. It's important I do because if I can't be understood, there's no point to talk anyway. So, please, if I'm talking too fast, please raise your hand. Please interrupt me. Please ask me to slow down because it's important to me that you can understand me. And so, I'm working on that. Right? It's important that as a leader, I can share where I'm vulnerable or where I'm weak at. And that then in turn makes people more comfortable in giving me more feedback because mm-hmm. they think I'll listen to it, right? And they'll, mm-hmm. they, they'll, they'll think I take it seriously. And that's a, a minor example that I use. There's tougher ones. I stress tested safe before I joined. So during the interview process, I wasn't thinking I really wanted to go in-house again. I was thinking consult um, and Safe reached out. And it sounded like I liked the space because I think it's important. And with all the new regulations coming around, around cybersecurity and risk, it's, I think we could be a quite successful company. Uh, But I didn't want to work for a CEO that wasn't still willing to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. So as part of the interview process, I interviewed with John Chambers. And the CEO Siket, was also in that same meeting with me. So we were on a Zoom and it was John, me, and Socket. And John asked me the question of why wouldn't you accept the offer? Like, what was it detractor for you? <laughs> I and like I said, the
0: preemptive
2: ask.
4: <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, John, I, I everything looks good, but I do have some nervousness around whether or not Socket, who's sitting here listening to everything I'm saying, <laughs> mm-hmm. is going to be receptive to feedback and still is learning. He's young. This is his first company he started. I've been there and done that. Um, I want to make sure that he's someone who can understand that as the company grows, he needs to grow too. Mm -hmm. And so John, you've been working with socket, you mentor him. What do you think? Right. And so I stress tested a little bit that that wouldn't offend socket that I had called him out. Then I stress tested it more when I flew out to India the next day to meet with the team. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: And it was an all, it was an offsite with everyone at the company and sockets on stage talking and he said something in a way that we we wouldn't say things today, right? So using some old old words, and I won't call it what it was. But I raised my hand in front of all two hundred employees, and I corrected them.
3: Oh, and how did that? Go? And how did that, that was
4: another that was another stress test for me of like, is this a good place for me? What I should explain why I did that. There's a there's an idea of public praise, private. Sure. Criticism, right? But when a leader uses a word that you don't want anyone else at the company using,
2: mm-hmm.
4: you've got to correct that publicly. You, you're yeah. other, otherwise, if I say I've done it before too, where I've used the wrong word, and if you correct me privately, everyone thinks, well, HR uses it, so it must be right.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
4: So mm-hmm. you've got to correct me publicly on that, right? So, and he, and it went great. He was he was fine with it. He wasn't like don't want to hire this woman. He wasn't defensive on stage. But modeling that you can do that to the CEO mm-hmm. is super important. So finding people in your organization that feel that it's safe enough to find those moments to show that, mm-hmm. it, that your CEO can get feedback, it mm-hmm. wasn't just about the word. It was about the whole mm-hmm. organization scene. Mm-hmm. It was okay. I didn't get fired. Yeah. Right? Um, and so it's that modeling is the showing the vulnerability, the modeling it, and, the, and then building the muscle. Right. So mm-hmm. I'll do exercises where we'll do speed dating feedback or we'll do written 360s or whether we'll it's really building the muscle and reinforcing it and getting really, really good at saying when p- someone comes to you to vent about someone else, right? Wonderful. What did they say when you told them? Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but not well, go and I solve it told for them. them. I
0: can't tell them.
4: Yeah. Ugh. But uh. don't go try to solve it for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Don't be the hero. Mm hmm. Really help them be their own hero and in, in navigate. Now there's exceptions, of course, if someone comes to you sure. complaining harassment or they sure. none of that applies, but, <laughs> but, um, but in general, right, we need to get much better at talking to people. And then it's not as big of a deal. I always, one of the hardest conversations and feedback points for me that I had that I love remote work for, cause I never have to have it when I'm on zoom is you have body odor. Right. right. That is one of the hardest feedback. I mean, are we right? Like HR, yeah. right? Isn't that the hardest conversation that had is like tell someone they stink? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> when anyone has someone on their team who stinks, they come to HR to say you have to solve this. Right? Yeah. Always, yeah. And I always tell them, like, who was in the room and who smelled it?
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And it's like, well, me and am I like okay. So do you think that the person's gonna respond better to this that you left the room, went and talked to HR about it? And then HR told them. Don't you think that's more embarrassing for them yeah. than you just to say, Hey, yeah, I don't, Barbie, want, to do I don't <laughs> want to have
0: the conversation. So. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but, see, but again, the feedback is not about you. It's about the other person, right? Yeah. And you have to give it in a way that's selfless. So yeah. um, so I really try to push people to understand like, what if it was you? Would you want to know that I had gone and escalated this to your manager? Would you want to know that I went and escalated this to HR? would you rather rather have me first just tell you that I don't understand why you can't get your project done on time. We had a due date on Monday. It's Wednesday now and I haven't heard anything back from you. Can I trust your commitments? Because I'm worried I can't.
0: Yeah. I I love, you know, why,
4: why can't we do that?
0: I love just the idea of just have the conversation and, and the way that you frame that there, you know, don't you think it would be more embarrassing if, or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, that's an empowering way to 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 start that conversation you know we teach a model in our feedback workshop that's called the art of feedback and it's action repeat trust the sort of three levels of conversation ruby always calls it the heat index Mm
2: -hmm.
3: because
0: an action conversation it's the first time a thing happened it's not yet a pattern so it's the easy one it's the Mm -hmm. easy conversation to have and leaders will skip it they will kick the can down the road they, they wait till it slow. becomes
4: a pattern and once it becomes a pattern it becomes that person has a reputation once you have a reputation it's nearly impossible to change that's right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you can't wait for the pattern to develop otherwise that's horrible for the person who you now has this reputation of right. whatever it is and they mm-hmm. have to basically leave the company and start over to fix that reputation
0: right yeah mm-hmm. and ruby just typed in the chat just orthogonally here so many people i coach she says who don't say anything And then they want to leave the company without ever giving a chance for their manager or leader to do something different. Like they never invite them into the conversation. Yeah, they
4: never do. I'm going to be rude. I'm going to get up and let my dog in. (laughs) So I will be right back. I can still hear you and I can still talk, but she's knocking at my door. And so I'm... I so mean, I think about I'm, working at home, too, is you can meet people's pets and animals. and
0: It gives <laughs> me a chance to almost see the guitar in the painting behind you. I keep trying to yeah, look. Really, oh, yeah. Like I don't know.
4: A- Which way do I move so you can see that? I don't know if, we, I, don't know if I can. <laughs> I'm
0: like, it's a strap neck. It looks like a jaguar. I'm like, I'm dying to know what it is.
4: Uh- I wish I could tell you. Those so- are sound <clears throat> boards to absorb sound so that I'm my, I don't wake my husband up when I'm on early meetings. Yeah. Nice.
0: <laughs> so... Just thinking about these elements of culture, right? Feedback is one and and you have a, a a deep expertise in in remote work. We've talked about remote work dozens of times here, right? We Ruby and I work for an organization that's always been remote. We've never had an office space. Um, this is my eleventh year, her ninth there. So Great. um it made sense to me. Um, I had worked in organizations. I worked with the CFO one time, and she was a died in the wool. If your butt's not in the seat, you are costing the company money. Mindset. Um, there's been a lot of push-pull here over the last couple of years on remote work. We saw whole sectors, right the 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 finance uh, financial services sector of the economy. You know, they were the first ones to go. Everybody needs to get back, right? Mm-hmm. And we've been talking with some of our with our <laughs> clients about about their return to office plans, and they're still not finalized. Mm-hmm. They're still moving pieces around. So how do you, you know, when you think about remote work, obviously you can, you can posit the upsides of it. So what, what makes remote work worthy of consideration for you, from your perspective?
4: You know, I have a, I have a couple different perspectives on this. And one of them has nothing to do with the health of your company. So, I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are good for the company in terms of you can grow without limitation of space. You can hire the best talent wherever they are. you can have more diversity, you can even have cost savings and the cost of talent because different costs of living. There's all these great things for the company that the company consider. I actually think it's a moral obligation for software companies to embrace remote work, so mm. when Elon I'll Musk, say more about says, that. yeah. yeah. So when Elon Musk says it's immoral to have people work remotely, I couldn't disagree more. Do I want my car built in someone's garage? No, I didn't go. That didn't go well for the Titan submarine. That was terrible. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't want that. So I get it from the Tesla side. I get it from the SpaceX side that this doesn't work. I don't get it from the Twitter side whatsoever. Um, and when I think about the homeless. And mental health and drug issues we have in San Francisco. I don't know if any of you have been to San Francisco lately. Oh yeah. I was just in Paris and someone was commenting on Paris and I was commenting on how clean it is and how safe it is. And they were like, what? It's not, it's dirty. It's, I don't know where they were from, but it was somewhere cleaner, maybe Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um and um and I said, Well, gosh, compared to San Francisco, it's pristine. Yeah. San, San Francisco is horrible. Um, if you took every Salesforce tower across this planet, because they're in, in various different countries, if you took Twitter headquarters, if you took the headquarters of these SaaS companies and you made them drug, drug treatment facilities, you made them mental health facilities, you made them halfway houses, you made, you you wouldn't, Mark Benioff wouldn't need to donate millions of dollars to UC Berkeley to study the causes of homelessness. We know. Right. Um, we can do something about it, though. Uh, And so, really, I feel like software workers in general have a requirement to stop plucking the best and the brightest out of their communities and making them move to the coast. Mm -hmm. Like, why can't you let the best and the brightest stay in their communities, stay contributing tax revenue, stay as role models and mentors to the young people in that community, continually, frequently the restaurants and the dentists and the hairstylists in their community, when I was at Netflix, my dentist, my doctor, my hairstylist was all in Las Gatas. I live 40 miles away in Pleasanton, which is about two hour commute. Right. So I couldn't do any of that in Pleasanton. Mm-hmm. But when I worked remotely, I could. Mm-hmm. COVID was the worst remote experience that people could possibly have. The value of working remotely is being having a stronger community. Mm-hmm. We weren't able to socialize with our communities. Mm-hmm. We weren't able to go to our hairstylist or our restaurant or our dentist or, mm-hmm. you know, so we mm-hmm. didn't get the the gains of it. We lost our social connection at work and we also lost our social connection at home. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it was it was really a really bad place to be and especially when you're trying to work with your kids trying to work do schoolwork in the next room it wasn't positive Mm -hmm. i don't think school should be remote for most kids i think that i i think kids should go and be interacting socially i think companies who have remote need to do social engagements Mm -hmm. whether they be localized or global at GitLab, every nine months we got the whole company together Mm -hmm. um with their spouses and partners Mm -hmm. um And it was a social week. It wasn't a get work done week because the worst thing you can do is wait to get work done until everyone gets together because then no work's getting done the rest of the year. (laughs) So you got to make sure when you get together, it's not about getting work done or making decisions. You need to make those in your normal environment. But I, I really do feel like there's amazing talent across this planet, but there's not equal opportunity across the planet. And software companies are in the position to change that more than any other industry is. And that includes finance, by the way. Um, most, most, most of finance stuff can also, how many people actually go to their bank these days and and withdraw cash. Right. I mean, there's no, there's, there's, there's this, there's this fear of it. And what I don't understand is why, and I get a lot of time where I can't trust that they're getting their work done. If they're not in their office, I think, okay, so if I'm sitting in front of my computer, you know, I'm not on Instagram or Facebook, (laughs) you know, I'm being productive if I'm sitting in front of you. Right. That's no brainer. And oh you can't trust me but it's okay to to not trust me in the workplace when I'm walking to the parking garage after dark with my coworkers and you don't trust any of us but I'm going to walk to the parking my car and feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um you know so I I really challenge that. Now there's a lot of technology that happened with COVID that helps you spy on people but I think it's a shame yeah. you have to use it. I yeah. I think if you don't <laughs> trust someone don't hire them. I've and, always I've always yeah. felt that that whole I
3: I'm, I can't be sure that they're being productive unless they're in front of me.
4: That's a, how are you measuring problem. productivity? Yeah. There needs yeah, to be a new way.
3: Yeah, that's, that's a leadership problem. That's not their problem.
4: <laughs> and and yeah, let me, let me yeah, be clear. I
0: yeah. can waste a shit ton of time in the
2: office.
4: That's right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then they bring in ping pong tables and you know, right. they're like, okay, well now I'm wasting even more time. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it People have different preferences. So I think the great thing is the whole world won't make the same decision. So if you want to be in an office, you'll have that opportunity. But I really think that SaaS companies really should stress themselves out a little bit to think, how can we make this work? During COVID, we tried to survive remote work. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: Now we need to figure out how to thrive in it. Yeah. And we need to not go back to making horse whips now that cars have been invented. We need to think, how Mm -hmm. can we take this moment and grow from it instead Mm -hmm. of trying to reverse back? Yeah. And I think it's, I, I, I really, I get on a soapbox and, and it's annoying that I do, but I really think that it's, a—I—I I think that's the moral imperative. When Elon says it's immoral because not everyone can do it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, Elon, not everyone can go to the moon or drive a Tesla either. Does well, that mean you don't make them? Though. Well, yeah. I mean, does that mean you're not going to make Teslas anymore because not everyone can afford one? Yeah. Right. Does that mean, does that, and, and by the way, if I get all the software workers off the road, I live right down the street from Fremont. And, you know, where all the cars are made here. Um, if I, it was amazing how much healthier their environment got during COVID. The trees on oh, the side yeah. of the road were actually getting greener and flourishing because it wasn't having the pollution. Right. Guess what happens if you get all the software workers off the road? And I don't just mean software engineers. I mean, the finance people, the HR people, mm-hmm. the marketing people, they're all off the road. Your teachers have a shorter commute. Mm-hmm. Your doctors have a shorter commute. Every, everyone who actually has to drive into work has yeah. less traffic to deal with. Yeah. So it's good for everybody. It's good for the environment. it's Good for its stress levels. Yeah, it, I love
3: the sort of ripple effects part of the this conversation about, well, the, yeah. you know, the, those pieces that don't often get in the equation. That I,
4: one of my best recruiters when I was at GitLab was in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. The other was in Russia. Mm-hmm. What opportunity would they have, right? And and what what growth and exposure do they get because there was a company willing to hire them remotely. Uh, and, and, and I really do think that if you're just even talking about the U S there are communities that are really struggling in the U S they're depressed economies because they don't have the same industry there. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: What does like career day look like at these, in these communities mm-hmm. i i i go to my schools and i talk about career, career all the time they get ceos in the classroom they get me in the classroom they get every profession you can think of in the classroom in pleasanton california
2: mm-hmm.
4: what what do they get in spencer iowa mm-hmm. right and so when you think about if you have these professions across the U.S., you have this profession as role models. So the, the kids in these communities aren't just looking at TV and saying, well, I can play football, basketball, be an actor, they, they, but they actually see all the careers they could be. Mm-hmm. And they, they get a feel for all of that. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. And I think that's when we get equality in this world. Yeah. It's, not, it's not redistribution of wealth. It's equal, equal distribution of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I think that's a huge gap. That doesn't get much attention. Yeah. So I, I have a question. That's, sorry. Yeah. 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 So I have a, a kind of more of a tactical question because I love this mm-hmm. bigger, more, you know, kind of society writ large kind of impact of decisions that especially large employers make. So companies like, you know, SaaS companies or technology companies where innovation and the speed of movement and change and all of that is is high that that's kind of my my world in a very small organization but innovation is a primary core pillar of of what we have to do and what we have found we we do have generally speaking pretty high level of trust in employees to be doing what they need to get done and having ways to to measure that right are, are the deliverables happening the way they happen but innovation is a different bird right and There are a lot of collaboration tools that, especially since COVID happened, that, you know, more emerged in ways of, you know, virtual whiteboards and all of, all of those things that are, that are cool. And there is a, you know, visceral difference between being online with people, right? Virtually trying to do that kind of activity and being in a room with people and doing that Mm -hmm. or just the fact that every time I go into the office, which is usually about two times a week i have conversations with people that i never would have had where i sitting at home because i don't schedule conversations to have serendipity and that's the thing that we're struggling with the most is is how because of that blend right we're looking for how do we allow for all the goodness i don't have a i don't have a commute i have flexibility to mm-hmm. live my life i am trusted to do my job but we know there is a gap in how we experience serendipity, collaboration, innovation, and it's a core piece of what we do. And so that's mm-hmm. what we're kind of struggling with is how do we find that sweet spot and and how do we help our leaders help their teams find that sweet spot? That's where we're really struggling right now.
4: It's really hard. And I think a lot of people are struggling with it. And I think um, it's wonderful that you're thinking about it versus saying, let's just not even try, um, which I think is what a lot of people are doing. Um in terms of the serendipitous conversations, you need to rethink the serendipity part of it and and how that can actually be bad. Uh so, you know, for example, when I was at Netflix, we were growing quickly. And when I joined, we were about a thousand employees and they grew more than that. Um (laughs) and we needed (laughs) new buildings. And it was now where are people gonna sit in the new building? And it was the biggest ordeal of if I don't sit next to this group then I won't get anything done. It was like, seriously, you can't just walk to the next floor. So yeah. the reality is even in these buildings, we're not walking to the next floor to talk to our colleagues. We're not walking. I think they I think they did research. If you were more than a hundred feet away, people just send an email. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your, your serendipitous conversations were serendipitous with those who happen to be near you at the time, not necessarily the person that you would actually benefit from talking to yeah. or benefit sharing those ideas with.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: When we're all on Zoom, we're all equal. Now, when you're in 60 countries, you have time zone differences and things, but companies can also decide how distributed they want to be. Um, But you have to not rely on serendipity. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't rely on serendipity in the office either. You should put yourself out there more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in Zoom, you do have to make sure at the start of a meeting, you're not just going right straight into work. I love to encourage organizations to share pictures. I try to get everyone to always have some pictures on the ready. So when mm-hmm. we get in a group meeting and someone says, what did you do this weekend? We can show a picture of our fireworks or we can show a picture of, you know, our, you know and because the picture speaks a thousand words and it helps people understand you and know you better. Mm-hmm. Um, but take the time to, sh- you know, shoot the shit mm-hmm. uh, before, right. before, yeah. before, 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 because what mm-hmm. annoys me so much on zoom and any online method, if, if we had a meeting together and we had to go to the same conference room for this meeting, Yep. We would sit in the conference room and we would chit chat until everyone got there. Yep. On Zoom, we leave cameras off muted until everyone gets there. And then when the uh, owner of the meeting comes, we start. Right. Why? Why aren't we using that time? So someone has to be the person who's willing to make a fool of themselves and say, Hey, I'm here. What did you, <laughs> you do this weekend? What you, and, and actually start having the conversation. You <laughs> also need to, I do what I did. It love to know. Is I did coffee and cab. Cause we had a bunch of people in Europe and a bunch of people in California. So we did coffee and cab and it was, it was a struggle for me. It was constant iteration on how to make this work. So it was meant to be social. We did it at GitLab too. And people could put what topic they wanted to share or whatever and share pictures. Of, but it was like pulling teeth, getting people to share. Like if I ask you, like it's the small talk thing, you're talking about the weather, right? Trivia mm-hmm. is huge in helping with this. So what I would do would, I would send an email out, One one example is send an email out to people at the company and say, everyone send me a link to their favorite song on Spotify or YouTube.
2: Hmm.
4: And then people would send me the links, I would find it. I would come, I would use Kahoot um, and I would take snippets of the song and then I built the Kahoot around it and you'd have to guess who sang it or guess the year it was released or guess the name of the song mm-hmm. or the title of the album, Right. And so I ended up putting like 40 of these together. I now know I only needed two because once we did one and played the song and it was Billy Joel Piano Man and everyone started talking about the Billy Joel concert they went to or actually Garth Brooks was even better, it mm-hmm. spurred the conversation. It got people actually talking and less um, less thinking about what they were saying and just in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for Christmas, I always do one for holidays around the world. You know, what day, of, what day of December does Ukraine celebrate Christmas? It's not the 25th. Did anyone know that, right? Um, and then take in Kwanzaa, take in Hanukkah, take in, you take in the different holidays and, and what people are doing, and then people learn, and they share their customs. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a really global company and you ask about the way that they celebrate in Germany versus France, and people actually can talk about how they do that it it adds the the organic conversation. Mm-hmm. It's the inorganic feel that it holds people back, right? So how can we create the coffee cool the coffee the water cooler conversation mm-hmm. right without being around the water cooler? And then how much more quality is that built in than the water cooler did mm-hmm. because it's no longer based on proximity right It's just and based that, on access right. to the same link. right Right? so you really can get to know more people and it was funny when I was at GitLab the people that I worked with at GitLab now that I've left I remain in touch with more than anybody I work with at Netflix really my virtual company Mm -hmm. yeah because they're just as accessible to me Mm -hmm. you know you say you leave the building out of sight out of mind well I never left the building we can still hop on zoom Mm-hmm. We can still I mean you tell me people can't socialize, look at Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. You tell me people can't socialize online. Mm-hmm. Look at Snapchat. Yeah. You absolutely can. <laughs> so um, so you know, so but but it but it is being more deliberate about it. And it is turning cameras on and encouraging people. Please don't have cameras off. Please have cameras on. How Mm -hmm. many people? If you walk into a conference room and they put a black bag over their head so you wouldn't see their faces, (laughs) would that be acceptable? But it's acceptable on Zoom.
3: Yeah, yeah, right.
4: Um, I see Mark putting his camera back. (laughs) I didn't mean to to shame you there, Mark.
2: Um, (laughs) I'm holding out, Mark.
4: (laughs) but you know but it's 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 just those things that we have to get more comfortable with now i understand if like we're we've got people in india they're 12 and a half hours ahead of me yeah if i'm asking you to be on a meeting at 2 a.m your time
2: mm-hmm.
4: yeah maybe putting the black bag over your bag over your head's okay right because <laughs> <Right. laughs> you know you're it's, it's not it's not fair to think that you're ready for this meeting right but the more that we so much of communication is nonverbal, right? Yeah. And while it's not perfect on video, it's a whole lot better than on the phone mm-hmm. um, to be able to see facial expressions and see hand expressions and things. Mm-hmm. So we just have to keep at it. We have to not give up. We have to keep trying new things. We have to share what works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there should just be a site that shares what works on <laughs> connecting via Go, it shares what works right. via and you'll get a lot of companies saying, well, it's my product that will solve it for you. You know, yeah, do yeah. not, I don't know if you guys have used Donut on Slack. Mm-mm. So Donut mm-hmm. is an app on Slack and it's and it stands for do not be strangers. So the do the donuts, the do not.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And it'll randomly each week, each month, whatever you set it for. It'll send you a Slack message along with one other person at the company and say, "Here's mm. who you're matched up with this week." Oh yeah. Why don't you chat, right? Um, and so it it helps you spur those connections. There's a lot of little things like that, yeah. right? Let's yeah. share the ideas. Let's share the pros and cons. Let's share the costs. Let's let's just you know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be out there. I love that your boss is in her jammy so many times. It's fresh. <laughs> I love that too. It's like we don't we don't need to. We don't need to hide who we are. I don't like if my dog barks right now. Great, you got to hear what my dog sounds like. She's, they're both. I've got two. I have four dogs. <laughs> I've got. I've got Boy, two in That was in a my slippery right slope.
0: Now. My dog. I have two. I have four.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so I've got two in there right now. I've got two outside. Yep. <laughs> I'm a so, crazy dog lady.
0: Barbie, <laughs> as we as we sort of get close to the top of the hour here, um, give us just sort of the the elevator pitch on your book. What's the value proposition? Why should we read it?
4: You know, I I think um, any reason that you read books, I if you want to read or not, right? I don't know. Um, I think that if you want to feel inspired, if you want to feel, you know, maybe challenged to think about it in new ways, um, if you want to see the impact that your leadership has on other people, I think a lot of that I've got in the book, and I I, I make myself vulnerable in it, but um, I mention other people as well. I think it. I don't think it's anything crazy or new idea or something he's never thought of before. But I think my hope is that it motivates and inspires and empowers you to, to be better for those around you and, and to build a life for yourself that is, is better for you as well.
0: Love it. Where, where Love can that. we find yeah. you out on the worldwide interwebs?
4: <laughs> well you can find the book on amazon and reviews are great too i think i've got one right now but it's a five yay um, <laughs> i don't know who wrote it the nice, the nice thing is it was a stranger not my husband, so that's good um and uh and then i have a website barbiejane.com awesome. that you can also find me on you can also buy the book there if if you prefer to buy directly from the publisher
0: yeah awesome awesome um, I, I always leave time for questions, and I watch Ruby write things down, so I know Ruby always has a question because she never doesn't. So, Ruby, <laughs> what, what's your question for Barbie today?
2: <laughs> okay, um, this is kind of connected to what we we're just talking about: being on Zoom and being with people and building connection. Um, I always talk about deep presence as leaders, being like deeply present with people and intentionally influence. I'm not influencing intentionally pouring your energy engaged into a conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, so I would just love any other tips that you have for being like demonstrating deep presence
4: and the importance of that. Well, I, I think Uh, that I agree with you that it's important that whenever you're talking with someone, they feel uh, like your attention is on them. Um, not they're distracted by other things. I think that that it's easy to have happen on Zoom because you've got other windows open behind you and things like yeah. that. I think it happens in rooms too when people get on their phones and yeah. you know and talk. But I think closing things um, when you're going in yeah. a meeting, you know, close your other windows. Sometimes yeah. you can't help it because you're going to reference a document, you're going to screen share and things like that. But as much as you can. Make yeah. sure you have Slack. Inter- if you use Slack at your company or whatever messaging, make sure that's integrated with your calendars so that it automatically shows people mm-hmm. you're in a meeting when they're messaging yeah. you. Yeah. If it's an important one, I often, I, I, I turn off notifications as well. And that there way, if go. someone's notifying yeah. me, they know I'm not paying attention to you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not anything too drastically different, yeah. but it's, 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 it's showing that. And then of course, there's communication style, right? Being able to repeat, back in different words what someone has shown to you that you get to understand. It yeah. all the, that basic communication stuff too. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of one of my hot buttons the multitasking especially on Zoom cuz you can just see if I look over here. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Oh. Um or you see
3: like just watch you'll see the color of my face change cuz I just yeah. Don't get yeah, right. tickled, <laughs> and, Oh yeah. I never noticed that before. (laughs) But that is such a self-discipline thing about Mm -hmm. what am I here for? Like what's important in this moment? I know I have all those things. And if there's something on fire, then I should tell this person. Can you give me Mm -hmm. five minutes? Yeah. Yeah. absolutely hang out right yeah. don't try to a, yeah squeeze it in while you're not listening to them don't try
4: to fake it and make me think yeah. You're listening. yeah and yeah. um and, but that's just a, I think that's an overall societal issue right now I that think. we all yeah. we all live in these highly distracted lives I can't I'm not even capable of watching a tv show with my family without doing something else at the same time I can't yeah, yeah. I it's like I literally will get bored I can't watch the show I have to do something else
3: Because Um, there's nothing
0: good on. Wow. Uh, Well, this has been super fun. Thank you so much. Her name is Barbie Brewer. The book is Lead and Let Live. Thank you so much, Barbie, for being with us today. This has been super fun. We are going to do our funny things, good feel story and semi-quarantined cocktail. You are welcome to hang out or go live your life. It is entirely I'm going
4: to hang out. I'm going to hang out. I'll mute myself, but I'm going to hang out. I want to see what this is like.
0: All right. (laughs) Uh, I can feel your expectations right now. You're going to want to lower them. You're going to want to lower them (laughs) from wherever they are right now. (laughs) Uh, Today's funny things, funny thing. Number one, this made me laugh. Uh, I like it when things make me laugh while I'm taking a drink and I can't help but to snort whatever
2: (laughs) water beverage I'm
0: drinking. Sometimes I think about the guy at my poker table in Vegas who was kicked out after the pit boss said he was too high. Security came over and they asked him to say the alphabet starting with M, and he replied, Malphabet. And he was escorted from the room. Uh, uh, funny thing, number two uh, what kind of turtle is this? <laughs> Uh, oh. from from the creative dad's department uh asked my husband how everything was going and he sends me this picture yeah. i love it <laughs> um, funny thing number four um this is real there is a person named happy gilmore who just committed to ball state golf And this was tweeted by Adam Sandler. Go get him. Happy pulling for you.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God.
4: Is that true?
0: Yeah. It's a thing.
4: Wow. (laughs) That's fantastic. I guess I can't judge. I'm Barbie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And my favorite funny thing today... The HOA in my friend's neighborhood recently threatened her neighbors with a fine if they didn't hide their trash cans, even though they'd been in the same spot for over a decade. This is their solution.
3: That is awesome. Awesome. (laughs) I want to do that now. (laughs) That is fantastic. There you go. (laughs) Uh,
0: Today's Good feel story. It's Steve Hartman doing his thing. Let's Mm -hmm. watch.
3: Finally, tonight, CBS's Steve Hartman goes on the road with a Memphis gym gym owner who found building muscle is nothing compared to building someone's character.
1: It's okay Here at the God Body Gym in Memphis, owner Roderick Duncan says real change never happens overnight. But he says it always starts in an instant. Or in this case, an instant cup of coffee.
0: Five.
1: A few months ago, Roderick says he noticed someone behind his gym. Saw this guy sitting in the vehicle. He says the man was sleeping in one of his old cars. Homeless?
3: Homeless guy had to be.
1: So, camera rolling, he opened the door and told him to get out. Come on, get up out of my car, man. And because the door doesn't lock, the next day, same problem. Look at you, man. And he kept coming back. He kept coming back. And so it went until Roderick tried a different approach.
2: Before I could knock on the window, I said, you know what? I came
3: back in here, I made him a cup of coffee.
1: And on those grounds, Roderick began to build a relationship with 24-year-old Brian Taylor. He learned about his troubled childhood and his drinking problem, and then got him some clothes, took him to get an ID, and drove him to job interviews. He even gave him a spot on his couch. Brian says he couldn't be more grateful, but he doesn't always show it, whether not following the rules or violating a trust. Roderick says there have been many times over the past few months where he's told Brian, that's it. That's the last straw. And every time, it's not.
3: Some people need more than one chance. You know, some people, it it takes a while for most kids to stop bumping their head. You always have to work on you.
1: And that Patience may be the greatest gift he's given this young man. Everything you did yesterday is what got you in the situation today. So everything you do today is going to be preparing you for tomorrow. And both men agree, tomorrow is looking brighter. I got a job, I got more confidence, I got a smile on my face. Good thing. Because Roderick says if Brian messes up one more time, he's done helping. That's it. Why do I not believe that? Well, I don't believe it either. (laughs) Unconditional love. It's crazy. (laughs) Forgiveness to a fault. Steve Mm -hmm. Hartman on the road in Uh, Memphis.
0: I love Steve Hartman. I think those stories are so good, and I'm happy to share them with you. Mm -hmm. Today's semi-quarantine cocktail is called How Long? It's a riff on a cocktail called The Roller Coaster that only has two ingredients in it. You're going to need a little bit of amaretto. One fireball looping coaster. And you can see the picture here. That's where it got stuck. Oh. A little bit of grapefruit juice. <laughs> one Wisconsin festival put everything into a shaker. And this fireball got stuck and stayed that way for four hours. Oh. <laughs> Garnish and serve. Everyone was okay, but I'm not sure anybody wanted a drink after that. Because come on, man four hours upside down in Wisconsin. I'm sure I had cheese curds too. So that's the that's thing. Thanks everybody for being here today, putting up with my sick boys. Thanks to Barbie Brewer. Lead and Let Live is the name for a book. Go check it out. It's dinner time, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care.
3: Thanks. Bye y'all.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. If you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB, or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again, and remember, you've always got friends at The Corporate Bartender.